You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. So the New York Mets swoop in and grab Carlos Correa from the San Francisco Giants. Their offseason has been $800 million. So when the Mets do things, when there's big baseball news, especially what's on the transaction side, we have a very simple rule here. We put up the bat signal, but the bat signal is a image of Steve Phillips, and we are lucky enough to get him on the show today, former Mets GM, baseball insider, and does so much work for TSN. Good afternoon, Steve. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Matthew, good to be with you, and I just want to let you know that... Uh... I've taken some some aspirin, and I'm overcoming my owner envy. <laughs> I have owner envy today, and uh, as a former best general manager, and I've had to take some medication for it today just to try to move on throughout the course of the day. Okay, let's start in a completely different direction. How do you think, if you were the GM of, I don't know, the Reds, Pirates, Cleveland, Tampa, Arizona, Oakland, many others, how, are you, how many aspirin are you taking? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, part of it's thinking, geez, maybe I should have applied for that Mets job is the first thing I think of. And then, and then it's like, oh, man, now what are we going to do? And I'm, I'm going to go and knock on my owner's door and say, what do you think? Can we, can we go halfway to where they're going right now? Can we, can we do I have a little extra money right now? It is, uh, yeah, people are reeling around baseball, but I think it's great. It's so good for baseball. It's good for the Mets. It's, uh, I think we need a villain. We got one now. You know, the Mets, so here's the thing. Steve Cohen is the new George Steinbrenner, and the Mets are the new Yankees. The, new, the evil empire is back. It just happens to be on the other side of town. Let me ask you, let's go in that term of villain. Who, if you're a sports fan, if you're a baseball fan, who is the bigger villain? Is it, is it Steve Cohen? Is it the Mets and the Yankees? Or is it the owners of the Diamondbacks, Nationals, Marlins, Guardians, Royals, Rays, Reds, Pirates, Orioles, and Oakland, all teams who have a payroll for next year that is less than the luxury tax penalties the Mets will be paying in 2023? Who is the bigger villain, the cheapskate owners or Richie Rich? Yeah, no, I think Richie Rich is definitely the bigger villain. It's easier to do that. And plus, you know, it's you know the, the, those that play less than are awfully hard to look at as villains. You just sort of feel like they feel victimy uh, overall, and you know entitlement is what villains are all about. And that's kind of what Steve Cohen is right now. Look, I said this earlier today on MLB Network Radio and on, and on TV on MLB Network. Shohei Otani is going to be a Met. He he is going to be a Met. There's no question in my mind he will end up on the Mets because if Steve Cohen wants you and wants something, he's going to get it. I mean, his wife wanted a $92 million sterling silver rabbit uh, in their front yard, and they have it. That's right. Yes, a $92 million (laughs) sterling silver rabbit. So, you know, so $111 million in luxury tax, eh. You know, $380 million payroll, eh. When you have $18 billion. so, So I did this math before, just to put this in perspective. So... At one point, I thought Steve Cohen was worth only $14 billion. I understand now it's eighteen, so I haven't done the new math on it. But when they released Robbie Cano, who was due to make $40 million, uh, $40 million to somebody who has $14 billion is the same as $287 to somebody who has $100,000. <laughs> so, so like, it's a spit in the ocean. It means nothing to Steve Cohen. And so a $380 million payroll is, okay, well, 
you know, we'll draw 4 million people. We'll make back the money or close to it. But I want a championship. I bought a large market team. I have the money to do it. So why can't I run the business the way I want to run my business? And he's doing it like George Steinbrenner used to, with not as much bluster, uh, you know, a little bit more sort of coy humility in all of it, if that's possible. But, but uh, it, is, it is an amazing phenomenon. And the Steve Cohen tax that they put in is set at, I think, $392 million. That's payroll 380 then after they, so after they signed Correa, it's at 380 and Adam Adovino yesterday to a two-year deal. So they got those two guys. Payroll's at 380 And there's speculation they want to get Liam Hendricks from the White Sox and that they might still be in a Michael Conforto, who the Blue Jays are interested in, uh, in free agency right now. And so I, there's, there's no reason why Shohei Otani won't be a Met after this season. Ugh, that makes me upset. Okay, now, see, it convinced me that, okay, it's hard to argue against the guy with a $92 million sterling silver rabbit on the front lawn isn't the villain. So I'll, I'll, I'll pivot the question this way. Would baseball be better if the billionaire owners of small market teams tried to act a little bit more like Steve Cohen? Well, you know, listen, I think uh, Hal Steinbrenner stepped up in a big way. You look at the Padres right now, and they don't seem to have any limits. They throw no, money they, at everybody. They're the, they're uh, the outlier. The Padres are this weird right. outlier, this small market team that's known more for surfing, and they're going out and spending a ton. But I'm talking about the Clevelands and the Cincinnati's of oh, the world. Yeah. They, they're still owned by very wealthy individuals, and yet they, they never seem to step up to the plate. Yeah, well, they run their team like a business within the market that they bought. And so if you buy a small market team then, you know, you, you form a business plan that, that is, you know, that fits uh, the small market that you're in. If you buy a mid-market team, you want a business plan and a payroll that fits that. You know, and, and the idea of if Steve Cohen bought a large market team and therefore comes the resources, revenues that come with it, and, oh, by the way, he's the richest guy in baseball. Uh, and so he can justify it because of the market they're in. He can justify it because they won 101 games. He can justify it because they're going to project 4 million fans in the ballpark this year. And so he's, you know, he looks at it and says, listen, I can afford what I'm doing because I think we're going to make the money to, to, to justify it. And if I have to throw a few extra dollars in there, it's not that big a deal. Um, and those other teams look at it and say, we can't play in that same way yet. You know, and this is where I think that the player association was so wrong in the CBA negotiation. We should have 14 teams in the playoffs, not 12. Uh, and because, look, the Mets are only one team that's a runaway freight train. They can only take one of the six spots in the National League to make the playoffs. Uh, and so it doesn't mean that other teams with lesser payrolls and smaller markets like the Guardians, like the Rays, and, and like the Brewers and teams like that, they can still make the playoffs. And we saw a six seed go to the playoffs and, win, and go to the World Series this year. And so we haven't had back-to-back World Series winners since 99-2000 when the Yankees did it. Uh, they lost 2001 of the World Series to the Arizona Diamondbacks. But we haven't had back-to-back winners since then, so the highest payroll doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. It gives you a pretty good shot of making the playoffs, but once you're there, then you know it comes down to performance. And so, you know, I, I still look at it, think it's good. I think the large markets need to be healthy, and so New York teams right now. How about the fact that they had Aaron Judge's press conference today, and it was the second biggest story yeah. of the day in New York baseball. <laughs> oh, I mean, just oh. it was such a Steinbrenner move to steal the back page of the paper and and. Uh, of the tabloids. And so, you know, the, the two uh, LA teams are spending money. You know, the Dodgers not as much this year. Like they want to get under the luxury tax threshold, but they're going to be a you know, top flight team. The Cubs are spending money. The White Sox are spending. They're going to, they're going to set up to be favorite to win the uh, AL central. And so, 
I just think that that you know it's you know baseball needs a villain. I think it's important, and I think that that ultimately uh, money being spent in large markets is good for the health of the game. Joined by Steve Phillips, former Mets GM, baseball analyst, and insider here for TSN. So, okay, Steve, I'm going to do a thing where I'm going to lead the witness. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I'm going to require a yes or no answer. Are you ready to go, sir? Yes, Your Honor. (laughs) Does Scott Boris like money? Yes. Does Scott Boris like getting the most money and term he can get for his clients? Yes. Does Scott Boris afterwards like to go around and strut like a peacock to the rest of the baseball world? I got my guy more money and more term than anyone else. Yes, in all caps. All right. Thank you, sir. So because of those answers, my question for you, what the hell happened over the last 24 hours where the Giants offer one extra year of term, they offer $35 more million, there's some sort of medical dispute, and Correa signs 12 years for 315 instead of 13 for 350 with San Fran? And I, I don't know if you, you actually have the answer or just speculation. I, I yeah. left confused. This is like a, a riddle for me. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what we do know. Whenever a team reaches an agreement with a player, it is always, for a free agent player, it's always pending a physical. And, and so when they make those announcements, you know, we're at the winter meetings and we're going to interview general managers and managers, and they can't talk about it. They have to only speak in hypotheticals. So they can't, because once you reference it as being done, uh, that the deal's done, and, it, and, and you don't say pending a physical, then the, the player association, the union will say, wait, the team thought it was done, but pending the physical means something. And so uh, Correa has had a history of back problems, uh, and he, took, he did his physical. Uh, by the way, he agreed to the deal on December 13th. He took his physical on December 20th. I don't understand that from the Giants' oh. perspective at all. Yeah, that's a whole week. why would you wait a week? I mean, because here's the thing. If this had been a week ago, then you could have pivoted to Dansby Swanson and gotten in on that market, maybe brought him in to be your shortstop. Uh, and so, so in, in when the physical happens, it all comes down to, it boils down to the team doctor. Because as a general manager, I don't know what, you know what I'm looking at when I look at an MRI. I mean, I can only know what the doctor says. You see that dark spot there, that light spot there? Yeah, I see him. Tell me what they mean. And so it comes down to every organization's team doctor is willing to assume a certain level of risk when it comes to evaluating the health of a player. Because everybody's got some fraying or tearing somewhere in their body when you've played enough baseball to become a free agent. And so, uh, you know, and so the Giants doctors looked at it and said something, some medical issue of some sort. No, it's been undefined to us at this point. Uh, it's supposedly been mentioned that it's some older injury or malady of some sort. Uh, some have said it was shoulder. Some said it was, uh, uh, you know, his his back. Some have said it's something else. Uh, and but ultimately, the team looked at it and said that's enough of a reason. The doctor did. That's enough of a reason for us not to feel comfortable with the level of risk we're taking with the contract. And so they backed down. Now what they did say was let's renegotiate and we'll make an offer based upon what we see and mm. what level of risk we're willing to take. Now from. Scott Boris and Correa's perspective, they knew the Mets were in already at a certain level. They knew the Twins had offered 10 years, $285 million. And, oh, by the way, the Twins knew him very well because he played for them last season. And so they knew his medicals. They knew what it took for him to take the field. They knew how he was able to show up in health and every day, how he prepared. And they were willing to take a risk of 10 years, $285 million. And so, you know, I think Scott Boris kind of knew that he had that at least potentially as a fallback. 
But he got the Mets in, and he got Steve Cohen in, and he got him as close to the old deal as he could to be able to salvage something. Because I think the longer this thing lingers out there about a health issue, the more it's going to scare people away. The Mets have to know what this issue was. Uh, because, I mean, and look, he's got to pass a physical for them, too. And if he doesn't, then he's in big trouble. But I think at this point, the Mets know what the issue was. They know what his medicals. They've looked at his MRIs in the past and everything else. And so my inclination is that this will get done. Uh, and at some point, the Mets are going to announce Carlos Correa uh, is signing with their organization. I'm sure they'll wait until the Yankees are about to make another announcement just to, again, <laughs> try to. It's like, when you, it's like when you yell at your team or you give a speech. You do it, and your ace is pitching the next day against the last place team. Oh. I mean, there's a reason it's with timing that you do these things. Oh, I, I wish you hadn't said that because we got to go. Now I want to hear 17 different examples of when managers did that where they knew they were stacking the deck in their, fa- in their favor and more oh. details of what a, uh, of what a, uh, when a physical looks like. But I'll, I will end with this. I've always got more questions whenever Steve Phelps joins the show. 12 years from now, more likely, Carlos Correa is a Met or, uh, I will ju- instead of me trying to come up with a clever question, 12 years from now, Carlos Correa, Met or not a Met? Uh, he'll be a Met. Yeah, yeah, he'll be a Met. Yeah. It'll be an unmovable contract at the end of the deal because I worry about his health. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently so do the Giants. Um, Steve, yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on on short notice. Uh, the big news that happened today, and we wanted to get your perspective, so appreciate it. No, you bet. Happy to do it anytime, Matt. Yeah, take care. That is Steve Phillips, former general manager of the New York Mets, baseball insider. And again, there's so much great work here for TSN. Yeah, so much going on. Didn't even get into the Blue Jays. Save that for another time. I mean, now it's, you know, now like just the, the Jays' perspective is go get, go get Conforto. Go get Michael Conforto from the Mets, who from 17 and 19, really productive player, the perfect bat that you need in that outfield. So go out and get that done um, because you've seen other teams around. They're going out. They're spending the money. Toronto is one of the largest cities in all of North America, owned by a very wealthy uh, company. They can get it done. On the other side, we'll uh, get back a little bit into the Raptors. I didn't talk too much about the Blue Jays, not the Blue Jays, excuse me, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and their impressive 4-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. A reminder that for anyone still left in the first, first up football survivor pool, go to tsn1050.ca. Last person standing will score a free set of Rodex tires along with install at your local Cal Tire, as well as 2500 bucks in cash. TSN 1050's first up football survivor pool, sponsored by Rodex, an exclusive Cal Tire brand. Time now for traffic. I kind of feel bad for Sheldon Keefe. Usually after a win, a coach wants to be critical. Doesn't want the players to get too happy, to get too comfortable. And, uh, you know, so the coach is going to be critical, going to the game tape, going, hey, look at those mistakes you made. But after the 4-1 win against Tampa, that is going to be hard to do. That was his dominant performance. I, I love the fact that Nylander had more shots than Tampa in the first period. Leafs out shoot Tampa 29-8 after two. So it's... Uh, how dare you, Tampa? Hey, had 11 shots in the third. All right there, guys. Now we're going to go out there and bag skate. I mean, that was a, a dominant, dominant performance. And uh, by the way, g- good on the team. The, the one thing is, is when Tampa scored to make it 2-1... 
you're like, oh, wait a minute. Toronto's the one who's dominated every second until this moment. And now it's a one goal lead after a weird, you know, off the, um, off the face off puck goes off of Austin Matthews. A little mistake by Giordano. It's 2 1. But nonetheless, Toronto absolutely dominated that game. So now to me, the one question I have is, is Dan Kelly, is the official Dan Kelly going to apologize to, uh, to Michael Bunting for shoving him, you know, for shoving him off the ice after there was going to be penalties called? Let's first hear from Michael Bunting on the interaction with him and the ref. Um, I just, I think emotions just were high and it's hockey and yeah, move on from it. It's not really a big of a deal. Did you know that Lenton was a former American hockey player? Yeah, I played against him in the, in the minors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Any history there? No, no history there. I don't know. Probably have history with everybody. No. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, yeah, I knew he was a, a, a former player. I love that line. Probably have history with everybody. And that's the right approach. And again, they send the broadcast. Good on Bunting for not shoving back. I, I thought Dan Kelly went above and beyond what was needed. It's not like you're in the middle of a scrum where everyone is punching and face-washing everyone. You know, this is like getting one guy off at the end of the game. Huh, phrasing. Um, but this was about removing one hockey player off the ice, and in, it just did not require that level of physicality. But a hell of a win for Toronto, and the important thing is, is it keeps uh, keeps it keeps Tampa a little further away from the Maple Leafs in second place in the Atlantic. As for the Raptors taking on the Knicks tonight, my my first thought is, is I think we're all a little bummed out if you if you know you're big in especially Canada basketball that R.J. Barrett's not further along. You know he was showing moments last year, but. And it's not that he's having a horrible season, and, and the Knicks are certainly doing better than we expected, 18 and 13, but just we're just not talking about R.J. Barrett. He's not really part of the conversation, and you know he's a guy that could be a big part of Canada in their quest to actually do something on the men's side of Olympic basketball. As for the game tonight, Nick, I'm going to tell you now... Um, I've been, I've been on a run recently of betting against the Toronto teams. I bet against the Leafs before. I bet against the Leafs when it was 2 nothing for them over Tampa. But I kind of like, uh, I, I kind of like them tonight against the Knicks. They're, you're getting plus money with them. Uh, and I know New York's good. Maybe this is, I can't convince myself that they're that good. But I, I'm getting the Raptors. And the funny thing is, they're 13 and 18. The Knicks are 18 and 13. That's a big swing. One's in third, and the Raptors are like in 10th or 11th. But the Knicks are only favored by a point and a half. And so that's the stat. The story for me is Vegas doesn't fully trust the Knicks, and Vegas is still waiting for the Raptors to turn it around. Usually when there's that difference in record, you're not getting the Raptors at just plus 102. Well, I mean, the Knicks played yesterday. I know, but it's still like I so felt that's, that has to be factored in, though. You have to you have to admit that. But the it has Raptors, to be have in. Raptors have lost six. Raptors have lost six in a row, and I'm not arguing that, Matt. I'm just saying like that is factored into Vegas's odds line. I like the over two seventeen and a half right now. I think the Knicks' offense has been clicking, and we know the Raptors can put up points. Like that hasn't necessarily been their biggest issue this season. It's stopping the points for some reason that has really hurt them in games, especially down the stretch. They put up a ton of points. Yeah. So 217.5 feels really low to me. I like the over. 
Speaking of over, uh, Siakam points and uh, rebounds, 32.5. I will take the over of that at minus 106. Coming up on the other side, it's been way too long, and we're dumb. We need to have her on more often. I know we've been on for the last month because of the World Cup. But Jennifer Hedge from Sports Center is going to join the show right after traffic, which is brought to you by JanPro, proudly serving Canadian businesses for over 25 years. Put your trust in JanPro, the leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Visit janpro.ca today. Now, traffic. I want to give a little... Um, little piece of advice for everyone in Toronto. Near the distillery district, the beaches area, and I bring this up because uh, my next guest is from that area. If you are planning on still going to the distillery Christmas market, go there right now. Okay? Because when the sun sets, it is a zoo. It is pandemonium. It is bleeping crazy. And I'm filled with rage when I'm 500 feet from my home. And it takes me 10 further minutes to get there. But it is delightful. Speaking of delightful, from Sports Center, it is Jennifer Hedger. I say it every time. Why is it it's so long in between visits when you do this show? It's my fault. It's always fun. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. I feel your, I feel your rage oh, it's at, so bad. at trying to get into your home. And I raise that rage with the old double bill that I put in yesterday because I did the Costco morning <sighs> Walmart afternoon oh. double dip. Oh, thoughts and prayers. Um, oh, my God. Okay. Why is it so unpleasant? Why does it have to be that bad? Let's break this down. And I, oh God, I don't even know if we're going to get to sports. We do have to get to one thing, uh, a little Michael Bunting thing. But um, yeah. what is your strategy with parking? Are you, do you, are you arrogant? Do you, uh, do you get lucky? Do you try to park near the front? Or uh, do you just go near the back and accept fate? Yeah, no, I'm not arrogant at all with it. I go early. Costco opens at 9.30. I get there at about 9.40. I try to get there with all the early birds. Whatever the parking spot is, I see first. I take it. Yes. I'm not going to try and press my luck because that just invites rage from other people. Um, But it's just the whole thing. It's the carts inside. People are literally banging your cart with their cart. Yeah. Um, there's just so many people. Everyone's pissed because everything's so expensive. Um, it's the crowds that, oh, it's terrible. And then Walmart, dude. Like, is it just me or is it every time I walk into a Walmart, I feel like, did this place just get burgled? Like, has <laughs> this place just been ransacked and the robbers ran out the door and nobody's chasing them? It always looks like some, like it's just been someone's been looking for the microfiche, you yep. know what I mean? And they yes. had to turn everything upside down yes. and they couldn't find it and they left. That is what Walmart looks like. But Walmart's the only place where you can go. And I needed two things yesterday. I needed a beanbag chair for a gift. Okay. And I needed fresh rosemary. <laughs> and there's only, That's, there's one, only one place to go for those there's two things. only one store in the world that I could do get both things at the same place. So, you know what? It's just, it's that time of year. And every year I just think to myself, what are you even doing right now, Jennifer? Like, just, you know what this is going to be like. And every year I walk out of there thinking to myself, never, ever again. Until the next time you need uh, rosemary and furniture. Until the next time you need rosemary and some sort of a household appliance. 
and that's where you got to go. How, um, how how close are you to being done? How is like in terms of just all shopping, gifts, everything? How are you feeling? I'm very close. I'm yeah. very close. There's a couple of stocking stuffers. You get to this point in the in this proceedings where I start looking, and I've got like a thousand things for my son for his stocking. And literally one thing for my husband. Mm. And it's like, oh, okay, I really need to bulk this up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, you know, just some, some bits and pieces along the way. But I tell you who's not going to be uh, spoiled this Christmas. Who's that? Me. What? So Why? my husband says to me, yesterday morning, we're getting ready for school, and my husband's all irritated. And he goes, he goes, Amazon Prime, it's supposed to be 48 hours guaranteed shipping. And as of this morning, they can't guarantee you that if you order something, it's going to be here by Christmas. Mm. Is it a a lump of coal for Hedger at Christmas? Yes. Who was leaving his Christmas shopping until this week, thinking he could get it all on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. And is now okay. out of luck. Let's just say this right now. He's blaming the wrong person. What Sean needs to do is take a long look in the mirror, and that's where the blame goes. Because he's getting cocky. He's getting arrogant. Holding off this week, it's like going to Costco at 3 p.m. Uh, you know, on, on a weekday, Saturday. and then yeah. and then trying to travel in the first row to find parking. You're not yeah. going to find it. You've got to well, be a I've, little more humble. I've seen this movie. I know how it ends. It's So now that the internet, mm-hmm. the inter-Google, is not an option. He's going to go to a store. To himself, I'm going to have to physically go inside a store. And I don't know if you've heard, but rain, freezing rain again is on its way to Toronto right now. Yeah, I heard. And then he's going to be like, I got to go Christmas shopping. And they're going to say, don't leave your house. It's not safe. And guess who is going to have a very unmerry Christmas on Sunday morning? Hey. This kitten. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh. but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. This date sneaks up on husbands <laughs> every single year. They always change the date of Christmas. They do. You know that, right? It's the... They always change it. You can't ever be expected to know what the actual date yes. is going to be. So I totally, I don't blame them. It's a very difficult, it's a difficult way that we've scheduled this holiday and that you can never can be sure when the presents are going to need to be wrapped in under the tree. It's like Easter or Thanksgiving. Is it this Sunday? Is it this Sunday? Exactly. Who knows? It's a total, total mystery. Um, March break. Yeah. Chris, you know, all these things. So sure. Anyway. Is Christmas this summer? Who knows? Yeah. On your, on your, on your radio show. Colin. You're welcome. You're welcome. Also, do not go to the distillery Christmas market. Um, yeah. I, I actually drove by Nathan Phillips Square the other day oh. and saw all the smiling people skating and the... Yeah merchants and stuff and i thought for the love of god please please don't make me have to be down here at any time this christmas holiday and so far i've been able to dodge it nice nice that's good um all right we'll do a little sports with you uh congratulations goodwill bunting i don't yes. i never heard that before i heard that no. last night um i i made a note of that was i was i was prepping the show and by the way, let's just go to this one because at least win four one. They dominated Tampa. Huzzah, huzzah! They look great. I mean, that was one of their best perform, maybe their best performance of the year. What the hell's going on with Dan Kelly? What the hell is he doing? Being pushed off, being shoved off the ice by Dan Kelly? Uh, it, is there an apology it, coming? It seemed a little heavy-handed, yeah. didn't it? Like it seemed like, and that first when it first happened, I didn't even really understand what was going on. I was, you know, we were in the office and and uh, Dutch was sitting there beside me and. And I and I looked at him. I said, 
I said, who just shoved bunting off the ice thinking it was a player? And Dutch was like, the ref. I was like, what? I'm like, you don't, you can't do that. You don't start manhandling players like that. And yeah, it seemed, bunting I thought handled it quite well. I get it was like the end of the period and he just kind of wanted to get him off the ice. But I heard Coco talking about this earlier, like from a player perspective, if the roles were reversed, Like, Bunting would have gotten some pretty serious trouble for that. And it just seems like, mm, it was, it was heavy handed. Now, if Kelly, if Kelly just reaches out to Bunting and says, dude, my bad, that I shouldn't have done that and I apologize. Then it's over. Over. Done. Exactly. But as soon as anyone tries to, um, stand up for that or suggest that that wasn't inappropriate, I think that's where, where we got issues. And again, it's not like, I mean, no, Coco was trying to make it sound like it might have been a safety issue because he was, like, walking backwards over the lip of the door and it was an open door. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to go quite that far, but in situations like that, I always think to myself, what if the roles were reversed, you know, or what if, what if it was Connor McDavid, you know, what if it was like a a big superstar player? Oh yeah. Would, would that have been a bigger deal than our poor little Goodwill Bunting here in, in Toronto Maple Leafs? And it just, it was just one of those moments where I think Kelly sort of lost his, Lost his. He lost his cool. He should. Yeah, he totally lost his cool. Also, you're right. If it was a big star, this would be different. But what if this was another sport? What if you know? What if someone did that to Pascal Siakam? What if someone right. did that to Bo Bichette? You know, I, I we don't we don't see this. What if you know? What if someone did this to McLeod Bethel Thompson? I'm trying to do all the different sports here, but like <laughs> it's just it's just it's something we we don't see. But in hockey, it's like ah, it's just part of hockey. It's just part of hockey. Now, the one thing I will say, and maybe maybe you would know this better than I would, but I feel like in hockey, there's a little bit more of a relationship between the players and officials than perhaps in any other sport. I feel like the players know the officials on the ice. There can be some chirping back and forth, sometimes a healthy respect for each other. And again, it depends how long you've been in the league. Bunting hasn't been around long enough, I don't think. He's not like Thornton out there, you know, like who probably says, hey, how are your kids to the, to the, to the referees before the games because he's been playing so long and knows all these guys. But I don't see that as much like in in baseball or, or or the NFL, maybe a little bit more in basketball because there's an intimacy and in how close everybody is on the court. But I do think that in hockey there seems to be a relationship there and maybe it just got a little bit tested yesterday, would you say? Yeah, it did get a little tested. I just, there needs to be an apology or something. The yeah, there get, does. Yeah, there needs to be. It went a little over uh, over the line. Has Bunting said anything today? Did he come out and say like... He said it's no big deal. Or he said something out. Yeah, nah, he, he, he's, he's, yeah, he, yeah. Went, he went full hockey and actually had a funny lines like ah you know maybe he's got a problem with me like when he used to play against him he's like you know everyone had a problem with me so he he, right. he did good he went comedy he went self-effacing he went full hockey hedge we only got time for one more question so okay. you are the guest who's had to go through parking lots you pick the sport i have the question you can you can go uh basketball you can go soccer baseball whatever well football whatever you want well, let's do soccer. I just came off the World Cup. I feel a bit fresh in this topic right now. Okay. Is this a trivia question? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, now, now, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure. Would you like okay. to go to the waterfall or see what's in the woods? And no, then. Let's- Let's let's see what's on the pitch right now. Okay, okay, uh, v- very well done. Um, really, a two. Actually, let's just okay on this level bigger picture. The game's done. We know it's the greatest. You soccer- didn't have a soccer question ready. Ready? Yes, you're ready for it. Are you ready? Are you ready for the question? Yeah, I'm ready. When Argentina went up two nil, 
That yeah. second goal was the best goal I saw of the entire the Di Maria uh, the entire tournament. And when I saw that goal, I had two thoughts: one, what an aesthetic, beautiful thing. The second thought was, damn, Canada is still pretty far away. Yeah, I mean, I think I felt like that basically throughout the entire tournament, to tell you the truth. But absolutely, from the from the knockout stage on, Canada has a long way to go as far as what they call quality there's a lot of terms in soccer that we don't use in other sports but quality is the term you use in far as far as like how how much better another country's players are as opposed to yours but i don't know dude i think that richarlison goal that brazil scored in the in the uh, group stage i that that for me was my goal of the tournament i would say um but i mean that that whole that whole final was amazing for whether you're a soccer fan or football fan whatever you want to call it or not and for me like we love hockey in canada and and in canada obviously is is uh, synonymous with hockey we have a deep-seated love for the sport we grow up with it but it doesn't have the religious overtones for us like football has for people in argentina brazil i would even go far as to sometimes say like even countries like croatia there is a religious aspect to soccer and and it is so much a fabric of who they are as people that I don't think we would ever we we could never ever touch that in the world of soccer and I don't even think we have that in hockey the same way that they have the passion for that sport in their country and all you had to do was look at the parade yesterday to yes. realize these people are nuts. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, listen, we had Marcus. <laughs> we had Marcus Saul drunk on Spanish rosé. They had yeah. a helicopter taking them out like it's the last days of the Vietnam War. Very and, different. And, and the thing is, none of the players even looked startled by it. No, they're like, yeah, this is you normal. Know, they were just like, yeah, this is about what we expected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and away they went. Off with Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible to shoot the next movie. Oh, okay. Let's end there. <laughs> okay. Oh my, oh my God! Have you seen the trailers for the next Mission Impossible movie? Where he's riding on a motorcycle and he's like he's, he's about to do he's doing a ski jump and it goes off goes off into the mountains and then he's yeah. on a rope. I mean, listen, we we and can he's like, and then he's like, yeah, I shoot my own stunts. I don't have the stuntman for any of this. I'm over, Tom. I can't do it. Oh, I'm the opposite. I love him. I love no. him even more. I see no. that stunt. I see why I yelled at some people for not wearing the mask. He's yeah. out there risking his life for our entertainment. You're drinking the Kool-Aid cause. Oh, 100%. And I've just joined Scientology. Jen, can I come over <laughs> later and, and check your feetin' levels? Is that hey, Seton? Feetin'? Do what Scientologists is celebrate Christmas? I don't know. Do they? They better, or else I'm out of Scientology. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Well, let me know how that goes for you. I need the tree. Hey, Merry Christmas. I hope your husband comes up with a Christmas miracle and Me goes out there and busts his ass. Because if anyone deserves all the baubles <laughs> and gifts in the world, it's Jennifer Hedger from Sports Center. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. If, they, if you can get it at Shoppers Drug Mart, you'll be able to find it under my tree on <laughs> Sunday morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a good one. Merry Christmas. That is Jennifer Hedger from Sports Center. And again, I echo this. How do we not have her on on a more regular basis? And yes, only at Walmart do you go and buy a beanbag chair and like sage or rosemary. That is the only place where you can buy both of those things. So good. Accurate. Yes, accurate. 100% accurate. I'm so glad I'm done all my shopping. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we got sound of the day. That is coming up in just a moment. I'm Matthew Cause. You're listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Time now for traffic. 
Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. As always, is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. I like the Raptors on the money line to win outright against the Knicks. I like Siakam over 31.5 combined points and rebounds. We do this at the end of each and every show. It is time now for Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day! Sound of the Day! Here comes the Sound of the Day! And sound of the day goes to the New England Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones. Day earlier, Bill Belichick was asked, hey, why didn't you try a Hail Mary with your quarterback? Bill Belichick said he can't throw the ball that far. Here's what Mac Jones had to say. No, I think we you know, obviously have a plan in that situation. You have to think about everything that's in that situation, and that's something that he did, and that's his job, and he's, he's done that for a long time. But, you know, whatever the play call is, I'm going to run it and do it the best I can. And um, if it was a Hill Mary, then it was a Hill Mary. Basically, he was asked, um, you know, <laughs> just about the Hail Mary. And think about this, though. If you're Mac Jones, this is a season from hell. You've been really bad. You are now the most embarrassing moment of the NFL season involves you getting face-planted by Chandler Jones in the most embarrassing, crazy loss that they suffered against the Raiders. But one thing as a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, is that you're supposed to have a strong arm. So when your coach says our quarterback doesn't have a strong enough arm to throw a 54, 55-yard pass, if you're Mac Jones, you take that as a massive insult. And good job by him going full cliche, but this has absolutely been a season of hell for Mac Jones where his, quarter, where his coach is basically calling him out. Even better, if you want to actually talk about this craziness, mm. Mac Jones has thrown 55-yard Hail Marys. Yes. In college. In college. Uh, multiple times, if, as far as I'm aware. Yep. And now his name is being said, oh, do they need to find a replacement? Noodle-armed Mac Jones. Like, they Oof. have to find a replacement? Already? Really? Is this, what, is this really what we're doing at this point? <laughs> I thought he was a middle middle end game manager last year. He feels like he's taken a bit of a step back this and I'm year. Not, I'm not arguing that he's taken a step back, but yeah. he's young. Like, I know. Give him a year, a bad year. You're allowed to have a bad year in the NFL. You are. It's allowed to happen, and he's having it now. That is it for us. Overdrive is coming up next. Brian Hayes, Jamie McLennan, Frankie Corrado. Then you got the Raptors taking on the Knicks tonight. We will catch you tomorrow. Be good. Be safe. Time now for traffic.